What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I am your Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard, Mike Richmond. We are now one game into the post-Yusuf Nurkic stretch for the Blazers, and they are officially 1-0, winning their fifth game in a row tonight against a very, very undermanned Chicago Bulls team. We'll talk about that. I want to talk about, since the last podcast that you listened to on Tuesday morning was very somber, if there's reason for optimism in Blazerland. And then I want to do a little quick check-in on Nurk News and what the team and fans are doing for their beloved Bosnian big man. But let's start, as we usually do, with the game that happened tonight. Blazers won 118-98 in Chicago to kick off the first of a four-game road trip. They beat the Bulls team, who was starting familiar face Robin Lopez and a whole bunch of unfamiliar faces. If you are familiar with Shaq Harrison, Wayne Seldon, Brandon Sampson, Antonio Blackney, you really love the NBA, which is good because it means you probably listen to this podcast regularly, so I appreciate all you Brandon Sampson fans out there. Uh, Bulls are already really shorthanded coming into this game, and then last night, uh, excuse me, two nights ago, Lowry Markinen only played 15 minutes and had to leave the game with an elevated heart rate and extreme fatigue. He has since been ruled out for the season. He did not play in this one, so the already very undermanned and 21-win Bulls were even worse. Had to call two guys up from the G League to have enough dudes to play this game. Uh, I think the big questions and sort of what it means without Nurk were answered, and they were answered in the relatively obvious ways. Ennis Cantor got the start at center. Uh, I think we all assumed, at least I assumed, and I encouraged my listeners to assume that that was how that was going to shake out. So I'm no one should be surprised there, I don't think. Uh, we saw what you'd expect, uh, Myers Leonard playing sort of that n- normal minutes, but the person who soaked up the most minutes was Zach Collins who ended up with 25 and didn't play a ton of the garbage time minutes that were a bunch of at the end of the game. Uh, and we also saw, I mean, because the Bulls are so bad, I don't think there's a lot of, like, I don't think there's big big takeaways beyond sort of um, how things looked, like how, how the Blazers uh, f- looked like structurally more than the, how they played. I don't, um, this is barely an NBA team, the Bulls fielded tonight. I mean, this is this is one of the worst rosters they'll ever play. So I, I um I don't think there's much like hoop stuff that we should really dig into or or, or believe from this game, but uh, Seth Curry looked good. Continues to look good with playing without um, Seth Curry as that or playing. Excuse me, Seth Curry playing without Seth Curry playing without CJ McCollum in that sort of secondary scorer role. He had a team I twenty, and in a sort of unsurprising uh, game, Damian Lode had eleven points, seven assists, and six rebounds. Um, you know, if if you've been following this season or even if you've been listening to this podcast, I think one of the the things that Damien Lillard has has brought us and particularly me to appreciate about appreciate about his game this year is that he isn't going to force things. He isn't going to put up twenty five shots. He knows he could go score thirty on this team if he wanted, but he really wasn't. His shot really wasn't rolling tonight. He's three for twelve, one for six from three. Um, couple of those just like sort of his standard pull ups coming off pick and rolls that clanged off the back rim or clanged off the front rim. Uh, it just wasn't a good shooting night, so he he did what he does, and he just he just lets the game come to him. He feels it out. Uh, he, he's not going to crazy force things right now. The Blazers had every single person 
who was dressed tonight get in the game and score. So I guess that's meaningful. Anthony Simons, um, everyone's favorite 20-year-old, had a career-high nine on four or five shooting, including an extremely endearing giant smile after he made a top-of-the-key three-pointer in garbage time. Um, If nothing else, it is fun to watch a young person play basketball in a grown man's game and really enjoy himself. Uh, Anthony Simons, easy to root for from at least this podcast host. Um, Like I said, the sort of the big questions that were answered, who starts, who plays, I think we saw that. Uh, Myers Leonard kind of looked like a guy who hasn't played basketball, NBA basketball in a few weeks. I think that was to be expected. Uh, I don't know if his biggest contributions will come in the box score, to be quite honest. Uh, I'm not sure. And by that, I mean, I just don't think he's going to all of a sudden just come in and average nine and nine or something off the bench. Uh, I, I think him setting really solid screens and the Blazers being passable on defense when he's out there is a better judge of what he's going to bring. And he played, uh, 18 minutes tonight. I think that's about what we can expect moving forward. Beyond that, I don't know if there was a lot to, to learn from this game. Uh, I think it's important that the Blazers got this win because it's important that they get all the wins. I've been talking about this sort of nonstop, and we'll talk about more about sort of optimism and um, and whether there's cause for any with this team in the second segment. But if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I've been harping on extremely hard that the Blazers have to, have to, have to get home court advantage for me, for me to feel like they have a chance of advancing in the playoffs. Um, I may have softened up on that a little bit. I think it's more matchup wise, but I do think home court advantage was vitally important, even with a healthy roster, just because I think that the, every team that makes it in the West pretty much is tough. And this, and this Blazer team hasn't been super good on the road except for recently. So maybe I'm wrong, but they weren't good for the first 60 games of the year. Um, and that probably informed my opinion more than how they've played after the all-star break on the road. But, um, I don't think that's changed. I think even without Yusuf Nurkic, and you know, we don't really know the status of CJ McCollum, although I think the general assumption is that he'll try to play or he'll want to play when the playoffs begin. I don't think that's changed. I think the Blazers still, their season and, the, and, and all of that hinges on, a lot of their hope hinges on whether they, um, whether they're a home court, whether they have home court advantage in that first round. And all the teams, active Western Commerce playoff teams won tonight. Utah keeps on winning. Denver keeps finding a way. OKC won at home. They've, they're kind of getting it right. Listen, it's it, the the all those teams in the West are going to keep on winning. So regardless of the Blazers' health situation, um, they got to keep on doing it too. Luckily, they don't play a ton of good teams left in their schedule. But I don't think anything's changed in terms of uh, them needing to win. This one's important just because they they got to keep trucking along even if they're playing a weird JV NBA team. All right, in the next segment, I'll come back and talk a little bit about Blazers optimism. I think that's been floating around in the ether, thanks in large part to our my friend and yours, Jason Quick, but also just sort of it's the theme of the day, whether, whether there's reason to have hope after this catastrophic injury. But before we get to the post-Yusuf Nurkic optimism world, I want to tell you guys about a new podcast app called Himalaya. Uh, they've got... In the ever-expanding podcast world, Himalaya is your best bet. They've got new curated playlists every day and new features they're dropping each week. You can find our podcast on there and download it every single day that we drop one. So grab the Himalaya podcast app and make sure you subscribe and start downloading Locked on Blazers. And while we're at it, 
Remember when you get in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. Someone who listens to this podcast today told me they don't have a commute. So when I tell them to listen to it on their commute, they feel a little left out. But listen, you can listen to it anytime and you're, if you've got a smart device or anytime you're driving around in your car anywhere. Running errands, whatever you got to do. Just tell that smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. All right, so we've covered the anything that we can possibly glean from a mostly meaningless game uh, in Chicago. I think it's important for the Blazers just to play. So um, get one under their belts without use of Nurkic. That's good. Keep the momentum rolling. Season's not going to stop, as I've mentioned many, many times on Tuesday morning's podcast. But the other thing I want to talk about is um, this sort of my line of thinking comes from a tweet my friend and yours, Jason Quick, sent out uh, yesterday evening. He said, and I'm going to just read from his Twitter page because I guess this is what you do on podcasts. But he says, amid the Nurkic slash CJ doom and gloom around the Blazers, I present five items with confidence. One, never underestimate the will and town of, of Lillard. Two, Collins will not wilt in this opportunity. Three, Myers can help. Four, Curry or average 15 points per game the rest of the way. And five, the Blazers thrive as underdogs. Now, I guess this is the point of the podcast where I'm supposed to poo-poo on Jason Quick's optimism because if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I am slightly more pessimistic than our veteran reporter friend. However, I have a hard time quibbling with much of this list. To be quite honest, I think this is pretty accurate. I might not come to the same conclusions about how much optimism we should have about the Blazers based on these things, but it's hard for me to say that these five things are wrong. And he says them with confidence. I think he should because I think he's right about believing them. I'm not sure that where he goes with his level of optimism, I haven't seen him. He's on the road covering the team. I'll have to nitpick him over text message tomorrow morning. If you listen to the pod, Jason, prepare to argue. Or at least, I don't know, complain via four texts or so. But yeah, let's start with number one. Let's just take them one by one in, in this fun segment where I called where I mostly agree with Jason. So never underestimate the will and talent of Lillard. I um, have stopped doing that. I think I uh, maybe a little bit in that Pelican series, I started to, um, the scales started to tip the other way where you said, come on, he, you know, he stars play better than that in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. Um, he's been fantastic this year and he has been playing at, at the best level I've ever seen him. He's, he's, you know, if he's not the best point guard in the NBA, and I, I don't think he is because Steph Curry exists, he's to me right now, he's pretty strongly number two. He's been that good. So I'm not going to underestimate him. I think he's going to be fantastic. He was, even on a night when he couldn't shoot tonight, he just controlled the game. He's um, dominant by both will and skill. Number two, Collins will not wilt at the opportunity. I, I think... Um, like I said, I'm not going to read too much into this game. Zach played fine in this game. He made most of his shots. He was better than the Bulls' bad players. Uh, I, I think I tend to think Zach will do better knowing when he's going to play. Uh, I think that's always easier on guys. I know that it was easier when during his rookie season knowing he was going to play than getting called on randomly. Um, I think having a defined role, role will really help him focus. Uh, it'll it'll. It'll keep him, not that I was worried about his focus, but it'll help him um, take care of the little details that I think were slipping away when he was playing spot minutes. Um, he hadn't, I, you've heard me say on this podcast, I didn't think he was playing great in those little spot minutes he was getting. Um, I have reason to believe a, a, a more defined role will help Zach out. 
So yeah, Jason, two for two. Myers can help. This is the one everyone came after him on Twitter for. Um, I think it is one barely um, a hot take. The idea that um, someone on the team can help being a strong opinion is quite something. I do think Myers can help. He's 7-1. He sets good screens. He can shoot a little bit. That shooting dynamic changes the way teams guard at least the pick and roll to some extent. Uh, He's not as good as Yusuf Nurkic. I don't think that's the implication. The implication is that there is at least someone on the bench who's a NBA player who can help them. Um, You know, I don't think Myers has been terrible this year. I know his advanced numbers still aren't great. Uh, I know his counting numbers are really pedestrian. Um, But I don't think he's been awful this year. I think he's been fine. I think he's been a serviceable backup center. If I had a criticism on my of him, I would say the people who have staunchly believed in him the hardest, the Blazers front office, they were the ones who decided to go get Ennis Cantor and say, we need another backup center. So uh, if there is waning confidence in Myers from the fan base, it seemed to also at least emanate a little bit from the decision makers within the Blazers. But I agree, Myers can help. How much he can help when we remain to be seen, but I think he can be a non-negative or at least um, a comparable uh, level of contributions that Ennis Cantor brings, but in a very, very, very different way. Neither of them are good defenders. The Blazers have one tall person who's good on defense. His name is Zach Collins. We should start measuring people by what they do well and not what they do terribly. But I'm not even going to do that, so I won't hold you that. I won't hold you all, dear listeners, to the same standard. Number four, Curry will average 15 points per game the rest of the way. Listen, if CJ is, is not playing, Seth Curry is the one who benefits the most He's proven that he's pretty good. He can score. He does a lot of the, I've said, reasonable facsimile on this podcast a million times, so why should I stop now? He's a reasonable facsimile of C.J. McCollum's game. He kind of does what C.J. does. So, 15 a game sounds about right. He might average more. He had 20 tonight and he didn't play that much. Blazers thrive as underdogs. I think, to me, this is probably the one that I feel... I have the most quibble with. Yeah, um, traditionally over the last few years, when we have counted them out, they have done, they have been at their best. Uh, they certainly thrived as underdogs until they were the three seed last year, and then as the favorites, they really struggled. So maybe there is something to it. Um, I think, I guess, my biggest quibble is that. Uh, Underdog, the idea of an underdog, the expectations naturally get lowered. So what it means to thrive, the needle moves a little bit more. Um, and I guess that brings me to my overall point. Uh, and, I, and I don't, I haven't, I haven't sent Jason that text message complaining to him. So I don't know exactly what he means, but I, I, I think what he meant is what he t- is what he tweeted. He can say those things with confidence. There's reasons to believe in the Blazers. Five things he thinks. And like I just went through them, I think for the most part, they're spot on. But for me, I am not super optimistic that even those things, even if they're right, if it pans out to success in the playoffs. And mostly I say that because the way the NBA playoffs are set up, it's a seven game series and talent usually wins. And Yusuf Nurkic was the Blazers second best player. He's one of the best centers in the league. They don't have someone who can replace what he does. Um, they'll try to do it as a collective. They'll try to do it with a little Myers, a little Ennis, and a little bit of Zach Collins. 
They'll try to do it with more from the wings with Rodney Hood and Mo Harkless and Jake Lehman. They'll try to have Al Farouk Aminu be a little bit more. But I, 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 it's a it's a talent league. When you get to the playoffs, I'm not sure this Blazers roster, and this is almost entirely due to health because they were really rolling, and they still are record-wise. But I'm not sure this Blazers roster is talented enough to beat one of the other Western Conference teams in the playoffs. Uh, when we get a little bit closer, we can dive in on um, as close as I'll get to making hard predictions. But I I think there's reason to be optimistic that the Blazers can maintain their spot and end up with home court advantage in the playoffs and then figure it out from there. I'm not optimistic that they can replace what Yusuf Nurkic brought because he was so important to them. And anyone who's watched this team or listened to a podcast from the other side of the country, shout out to my man Kenneth, knows that Yusuf Nurkic was good enough this year that there isn't there just aren't that many players in the league that could make up for what he did as a defender, as a playmaker, and as a scorer, and just as a giant dude who could push other giant dudes around and kind of get the Blazers into unique spots. Speaking of that giant dude, in segment three, I want to talk about the Blazers keeping in contact with him and how the Blazers fan community has already kind of band together to uh, to show love to the Bosnian beast. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. It's packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It's got 1080p full HD, night vision, and two-way audio. And their vision is to make smart home products accessible to everyone. So that's why they're giving you full HD camera with free rolling 14-day cloud storage for just $20 a camera. That means there's no subscriptions. You just pay 20 bucks, you get the camera. But if you want more than that, Wise has got you covered. For just $10 more, you can get the Wise Campan that gives you 360-degree coverage in under three seconds. And like I said, it's got a free rolling 14-day cloud storage, so everything you capture on there stays on the cloud for free for two weeks. It also works with Alexa, and you can check it anywhere using their app. So if you're on the go on your phone or on a mobile dev- or any mobile device, you'll be able to track the Wise Cam. So if you want the absolute lowest price, go to Wise. That's W-Y-Z-E dot com slash locked on to get the guaranteed lowest price. All right. Welcome back. Still locked on Blazers. Still Mike Richmond. Uh, we talked about them. We talked about the game tonight. We talked about optimism and whether there's reason for any. Now I want to talk about the outpouring of love for Yusuf Nurkic, who is not yet out of the hospital, but hopes to go home soon. So according to reporters that were at the game, I saw multiple reports of this, um, mostly from people who work for the Blazers, Jay Allen and Casey Holdall. I saw their tweets. Um, Before the game, uh, Ennis Cantor told, I guess Blazer Radio, but maybe he he told Scrum of Reporters, but I'm assuming it's Blazer Radio, uh, first that... um, the whole team was FaceTiming Yusuf Nurkic before the game started tonight in Chicago. And uh, this is without knowing much about this and without uh, not having yet read, report, read reports that have come out of that locker room um, as of Wednesday evening. But I will bet any amount of money that the phone call came from Damian Lillard's phone. Uh, this is... Uh, not something that you'll be able to check out in the fu- in the near future, but uh, Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic FaceTime so much that their sort of signature handshake ends with both of them staring at their palms. 
to mimic FaceTiming. Uh, it's also a nod to Yusuf Nurkic, who was, when his girlfriend lived in Bosnia last year, literally always on the f- FaceTime with her uh, because you only need Wi-Fi. It doesn't cost any data. That's just a little insight into the FaceTime world. But in addition to uh, to FaceTiming Nurkic from Chicago, um, the Blazers PR shared this information uh, with with the press corps, is that uh, the Blazers team's health and performance staff uh, was by... Uh, Yusuf side in the hospital after he was injured that evening. Uh, Dame and CJ were among two of the players to go, uh, a couple of players to go visit Nurk in the hospital. And uh, Neil Olshe visited him too. And Nurk reportedly said, his first words to Neil were, at least we won the game. Uh, so at least like, it, in somewhat good spirits, I think that's um, kind of just a heartwarming thing. You see how close this team is. Uh, but in addition to teammates, Blazers fans have been showing their love uh, for Yusuf Nurkic, there was a, a GoFundMe campaign set up to make a We Love Yusuf Nurkic billboard. Uh, it was posted today, Wednesday. Uh, and as at the time of recording, the goal was $8,000. And 435 people have now donated. And that goal is at almost $10,000. 9951 That's $9,951 have been raised already by the Rip City faithful to build a billboard for Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Pretty incredible. I think that shows you love. Another thing I saw on Twitter is um, a Blazer fan gathering t-shirts and from other fans to build a, um, to build a quilt for Yusuf Nurkic. That would have people's Twitter handle and, and well wishes on there, but like one of those old t-shirt quilts. That for re- for me really bring me back to some sort of '90s nostalgia. So uh, you know, I, Mike Richmond's got love for a t-shirt quilt, um, but that I, I think those uh, items just show you how much Nurk has um, means to this fan base, how much they've grown to love him. I think a lot of last year uh, Blazer fans, at least, just I'm sort of just judging on the, by like the Twitter echo chamber. So maybe this is just like a function of who I follow, but people kind of turned on him because he was having, he was kind of inconsistent and he just, um, he just didn't, he just, he just wasn't as good following that year, but he was so, so good this year. He really improved. Uh, he was fantastic. And the, and the fan base really fell in love with him sort of again, after Nurk fever round two, um, when he, this season, he really sort of, uh, endeared himself to fans again. And obviously his his uh, relationship with Damian Lillard certainly plays into that, um, but I, I think it's cool. I I think it's cool that that fans are sort of gathering together, organizing to do these things organically outside of the team uh, the team's realm and the team's oversight. I think that's uh, I think that shows you what a cool basketball community we've got out here. And I think all you guys, part of my basketball community, for listening, as I mentioned a couple times in this podcast, you can. Find more episodes of Locked on Blazers at on the Himalaya app. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. As always, you can play this bad boy in your car. Just tell your smart speaker. Play podcast Locked on Blazers. Blazers got three more games left on this trip. I will talk to you all very soon as they wrap up the final games of this regular season. Thank you all for listening.